There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. And I'm Lexi Bear. Yes, she is my bear cub reporter and researcher. And I'm excited to be here. This guy, I just have so many questions. We were going to do the story about Austin Harriff, the alleged face-biting suspect from Tequesta who allegedly entered a garage and killed two people and started eating one of their faces. But we had to do this serial killer that just popped up because it was unearthed this week that this guy, Samuel Little, is the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history, and he started killing people in Miami in the 70s. Of course he did. There's, of course, there's a Florida connection. Always. I just have so many questions, and for so many years he did this, so he- we just got to get into it. From the 70s until 2005, I believe. And it's kind of similar to Robert Hayes. We just did that serial killer story, the Daytona Beach serial killer. African-American. And the FBI, he didn't fit the profile of a serial killer because he's African-American. Didn't they let him go and then he murdered another woman? Yes. Hayes was a suspect because he was one of a couple thousand people in the state of Florida who purchased a Smith & Wesson, the same gun that was used in the killings. But they said, oh, he's African-American, so we'll let him go. He didn't fit the profile. Correct. And we're going to look at the FBI profile on serial killers because this guy, Samuel Little, really didn't fit it at all. And he was, what did you say he was arrested how many times? He was arrested over 100 times, I believe. But I think because he is African-American, he slipped through the cracks. Yeah, well, he was also tried in one case and found not guilty because the witness, they couldn't rely on the witness. And the other one, the grand jury failed to indict him. So he just kept slipping through the cracks. It was really unbelievable how it finally came to be that he was arrested. But he was very good at being a serial killer, and he's very, very wicked smart genius, which is another weird profile myth that serial killers are really smart. They're usually room temperature, like Otis Tool. Yeah. Manson's IQ is 75, by the way. Really? Did you know that? Yeah. No. But uh, Dahmer and also, uh, like a Ted Kaczynski use a bomb, they're really smart. Yeah. But when you get down to, like, the people who you kill with, by, with their hands or knives, not the brightest bulbs. But this I'm- guy's really smart, so he doesn't match the profile. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The first thing I picked up on is how wicked smart he was. This guy smart. is smart. Oh, like genius. Why? Yes, Why do you say that? Oh, well, number one, you know, the photographic memory, his memory for details. So we're talking about convicted murderer, the most prolific killer in the U.S. history, uh, Samuel Little. He confessed to 93 murders, including several here in South Florida, and law enforcement has confirmed 50. He was finally arrested and jailed 
in the 2000s for a couple of murders, but he kept saying he was innocent. But then finally, he just opened up this last month or so to the FBI. Actually, it was to a Texas Ranger and just started talking about all these murders. And he has a photographic memory. So he's able to remember everyone he killed. And he's an artist and he draws their face. I saw the pictures. He's quite good. Yeah, I put it up on our Instagram page. Tell them where they can find our Instagram page. Um, guys, make sure you become active with our Instagram page. Search us at our handle at Full Rigor Podcast. And that, I have the photo of the drawings. He has been able to draw. He remembers distinctly what they were wearing and what they looked like. This is one woman that he killed in Florida. He remembers. Miami, 1972. Yellow and short, cream. Much good. Cream and red. New Orleans, 1982. Her sister was two sisters. Covington, Kentucky, 1984. She was like partially concealed by vegetation. Left her there. Little Rock, Arkansas, in the early 90s. Tell me what that girl looked like. Oh, man, I loved her. I forget her name. Oh, wait. I think it was Ruth. He even remembers the name. I don't. Are you kidding me? He's so confident, too. Oh, it's amazing. But he draws their picture of what they look like and so there's 50 confirmed cases but a lot of these people aren't identified they, they haven't been identified so if you see this drawing and you recognize the person and we're going to give you the information as to uh, who you can contact you know because you want some closure they want to make sure that all the families get closure yeah, the FBI, they made a press release on October 6th or 7th, I believe, and they were asking the public to look at these pictures and ID anyone. And I just think that's crazy when the FBI is looking for help. Yeah. Troublesome. This is unbelievable, though, with, you know, 93, there could be more, but 50 have been confirmed. And Samuel Little actually was born on June 7th, 1940 in Georgia, Reynolds, Georgia, and his mother he claimed was a prostitute. This is reminiscent, though, actually, of the Otis Tool case. Who was his friend? His mom was a prostitute. His lover, yeah. um, Henry Lee Lucas. His mom was actually a prostitute and would have him watch her jobs, and arguably that's what triggered his urge to kill. Yeah, the, that is scarring. That would be definitely scarring. So his mom, he says, was a prostitute, and soon after his birth, they moved to Ohio, and he was brought up by his grandma, and that's kind of unusual for a serial killer. According to the latest FBI profiling, the childhood of serial killers, in birth order, they're usually the oldest child, and their parents are birth parents. But he was raised by his grandma. 14% are adopted, and 8% are, are raised by other people. That would He'd be the 8% raised by his grandmother. I think that's interesting. Hmm. Oh, and 1% of serial killers are raised by wolves. By wolves? Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. He still gives me the creeps either way. He had problems with discipline and achievement in school, which is kind of common. But it doesn't sound like, you know, how some of our serial killers were hit in the head and that's what changed them to be sexually deviant and killing machines. I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Yeah, right? I but feel like maybe it awoke something when you were hit, but deep down it was in there, right? Exactly. You're whatever. <laughs> so uh, after being convicted for breaking and entering into a property in Nebraska, he was held in an institution for juvenile offenders. So he had a taste of what it was like to be imprisoned at a young age. Well, I remember doing research on him and he was jailed over a hundred times for different crimes, burglary, theft, armed robbery, different kinds of violent crimes. 
but nothing to do with murder. Yeah, but he's really smart. He didn't start murdering people till his 30s, which is another weird thing about the profiles because usually, like Dahmer, they start killing animals and, you know, they, they kill in their late teens, early 20s well, to start out. Well, he was really intelligent. Maybe he was plotting how to do it to get away with it for so long. He said that he first realized that he was attracted to women and their necks when he was looking at his teacher's neck and it aroused him and he got a hard on in class. And his motive, his MO was to strangle the women. There was only one woman that he drowned and he said that was the only time that he changed his MO. That's the only one that I ever killed by drowning. I left her, her head still there in the water, half her body in the underwater, and uh, her thighs and legs on the back. Yeah, so he drowned that one. But he said that if these women were still alive, they'd be his friends. And he, he said they won. He loved her. He just thought that they wanted it or that it made him happy to... It sexually aroused him. It stroked his ego. Exactly. So he had been arrested in eight states for crimes that included driving under the influence, so he had DUI, fraud, shoplifting, solicitation, armed robbery, aggravated assault, rape, and he took up boxing. So some of these women, in addition to strangling them, he'd punch them in the face. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not good. So he did stints in prison, referring to himself as a former prize fighter. He would fight in prison. And... But when he was in school, he again got sexually aroused by his teacher's neck. And that's when he started strangling the women. And he had a specific type that he liked, too. I remember in one of his interviews that I watched, he said he preferred black women. Exactly. He preferred black women over white women. However, he did kill white women. And he killed a, what, a transgender. Yes, that's what interested me because there were a few podcasts in the past that you did with Jennifer that the serial killers would kill men and women and turned out to be bisexual and then later on prefer a certain sex. He went after women who weren't like nurses and teachers who would be missed. He went after women, admittedly so, who would not be missed. So that would be prostitutes and that type. And so maybe he picked up this prostitute, didn't know that she was a he until he went to, because they'd have sex and then he'd kill them. So then he probably realized, oh, okay. And that was in Miami, right? Yeah. In the 70s, early 70s, one of his first. Well, that's when he started out. Um, the first one was an unnamed white female in 1970 in Homestead, unknown age. Then there was Linda, quote unquote, in 71 in Miami, black female, about 22. And then he says he killed Marianne in 72. She was the black transgender female, but 18. And he provided a sketch of this victim, which is chilling. Can you believe it? Back from 1972, he can remember what she looked he looked like i mean like you said he was very intelligent but this is just another level where you have to believe him and the fbi does believe him but what amazes me i'm an artist and that he can recall the features of these women with his photographic memory it's mind-boggling and the drawings are actually quite good i think and you might be able to recognize a loved one if you take a look at him he also killed a young, unnamed black female near the Homestead Air Force Base in 1972. Also, in 1973 in Kendall, Florida, he killed an unnamed white female, approximately 45, so he went a little bit older, possibly from Massachusetts, and both victims in 73 are described possibly to have the first name of Sarah. 
And you know what's interesting, too, is that he left Florida and went to another place or Maryland, other places yeah. and then came back in the later 70s or 80s, well, he early said 80s. He was most prolific in Florida and in California and L.A., Miami, L.A. What city did you kill the most in? Miami and Los Angeles. Ugh. Uh, and then uh, there was another one in Miami in the 70s, Emily in the mid-70s, black female, about 23, 24, possibly worked at the University of Miami. Go Canes. <laughs> then he comes back in 1984 to Fort Myers, Florida, and kills another black female, unknown age. Another one in 84, Tampa Bay, unknown age as well. And that looks like that's it for Florida. But he keeps going. Until 2005. Exactly. So he was arrested in 1982 in Mississippi, charged with the murder of a 22-year-old woman named Melinda LaPree. And she had gone missing in September of that year. Grand jury declined to indict him for the murder. And while under investigation, Little was transferred to Florida and brought to trial for the murder of a 26-year-old, Patricia Mount, whose body was found in September 1982. And the prosecution witness identified him in court as a person who spent time with Mount on the night before her disappearance, but the jury did not trust this witness. And so, therefore, they acquitted him in January of 1984. He'd go on to kill for at least two more decades. I just can't believe that. This man's ego must have been through the roof, like, ha-ha, I did it. He's no indictment and then an acquittal. He was playing God. He was, and he felt that way. But you have to remember, back in the mid-'80s, they did not have DNA the first DNA case to convict somebody was a rapist in Tampa in 1987, but it would be DNA that gets him later. He really liked to brag about the killings, but he also said it, it was a curse to be a serial killer. I don't think there's another person that did what I'd like to do. I don't think there's only one in the world. And that's not an honor. That is a curse. And I know Jeffrey Dahmer, he really didn't like being a killer either. This guy, Little, killed more than Dahmer, Bundy, and... John Wayne Gacy. Combined. Three times more than Bundy. And Bundy's creeps you out. I'm sorry. There's no serial killer that creeps me out more than him, but maybe it's because I fit the victim profile. Yeah, of his. Oh. And it freaks me out. I watched the Bundy tapes, and I have funny stories about that. What? Well, give me one. Oh, my gosh. I was watching the Bundy tapes, and someone knocked on my door. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. <laughs> this is him. I keep hearing knocking at my door, knocking on my door. I call the neighborhood. I'm complaining. I'm like, I'm being harassed. This is an outrage. So finally, I get the courage to go to the door. Maybe two or three hours after ignoring it, the constant knocks. Turns out my car lights were on. <laughs> you thought it was Bundy. <laughs> I thought he came back from the dead, from wherever. <laughs> And was coming for me. So you look like the girls he killed. Brown eyes. Brown eyes. Right now my hair's dyed blonde, but it's brunette. And um, well, he didn't really have like a specific height, but some of the girls were little. Yeah, you're just a little bear. <laughs> um, so talking about the intelligence of serial killers, because this guy, as they said, he's just wicked smart. What's interesting is that Charles Manson had an IQ of 75. Dahmer had an IQ of 145. Ted Bundy had an IQ of 124. And John Wayne Gacy had an IQ of 118. Remember, Otis Toole had an IQ of like 75, room temperature. But according to the FBI, Samuel Little is a genius. He's like really smart, and he's a very good artist. I don't think he had any professional art training. I mean, he's not Van Gogh, but he can really draw portraits. 
Um, but the FBI confirmed that Samuel Little is the most prolific serial killer in history. He's 79, and he's currently serving three life sentences in California. And before the FBI agents knew about his connection to these dozens of murders, he was already in prison for beating and strangling three women. Then, in 2018, agents noticed his name was popping up in connection with other unsolved murders across the country, especially one in Odessa, Texas. And a Texas Ranger there, James Holland, and two FBI crime analysts traveled to California to interview him, and he finally confessed to killing about 90 people. Over 40 years, that's still a lot of people. And he remembers them all. Gut-wrenching. Another thing that I read that I found interesting is that a lot of these murders would be ruled as an overdose or a suicide or something else. And so they would go uninvestigated. Really? But he strangled them. They didn't notice the broken hyoid bone? Well, he would always pick people who didn't mean much to anyone in his own words. And so my thinking is that maybe police work got sloppy or lazy and they just chucked it to the side because... You're right. Maybe they didn't even perform an autopsy on some of these women because they thought they were prostitutes or they just had OD'd. In a way, he was really smart by picking those victims that nobody really cared about or would follow up on. Little says he killed the most people in Miami and Los Angeles, but he told the FBI that apparently he killed more people in L.A. What city did you kill the most in? Miami and Los Angeles. How many did you kill in Los Angeles? Los Angeles, uh, approximately 20. So he confessed to 93 murders, and the analysts believe that his confessions are credible because he has such a memory. And the things that he's talking about, the how they were killed, has been confirmed in autopsies. Or in the cases where they didn't perform an autopsy, the police report. I mean, I believe him. I watched a lot of his videos and him describing it. And I've watched, you know, I do research for our other podcasts, too. I produce, so some of the ones I'm not on, I'm still involved. And I watched Otis Toole describe his victims, and he claimed to have killed more. more. He said a hundred. Otis Tulsa, there's a hundred. I believe little, but I don't know if I believe Otis. And that's what the FBI says, that they believe little. They didn't believe Otis. Because he didn't so. have the memory like, exactly. Otis, like this guy does. But um, there are many other confirmations pending. They, you know, they got to look at all the information. He's just started spewing all this out. Yeah, they're still investigating and trying to ID everybody he claims to have killed. And he's not just the most prolific serial killer in the U.S., but arguably the world. There's another one that I found when I was doing research, Harold Frederick Shipman. He was an English practitioner, and in 2000, he was convicted of killing 15 of his patients, but prosecutors estimated he had 250 victims. How was he killing them? He would inject them with diamorphine, a pharmaceutical heroin. So I so he probably thought they were getting a, a good goodbye. Just, I mean, that's... He was playing God as well, just in a different format. Well, that's what they do in hospice. They give them the morphine like that when they're in pain and stuff, and then they just kind of slip away. But, I mean, mm. I know some... They could kill people with an air bubble in their bloodstream. It's like, there's really easy ways to kill people in the hospital. I hate to tell you. Oh, no. I got to stay well. <laughs> stay well. <laughs> uh, not to scare the bejesus out of you, but... I mean, we got to. We got to know this stuff. This guy, Little, killed for 40 years. It's just incredible to me. He's acquitted, he's not indicted, and he's just a killing machine. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the way people kill and in terms of the FBI profiling. So with only about 12.5% of serial predators fitting the profile of 20-something white male, 
according to the Serial Killer Information Center, they had a project at Radford University that studied more than 4,700 mass murderers. So uh, the FBI and the serial killer information data define a serial killer as someone who murders two or more people in separate events. Mass murderers aren't generally reclusive misfits, but people who live in plain sight in the community. According to the FBI, and many are married and educated and gainfully employed. How weird is that? I mean, the Pulse nightclub shooter was married. His wife was on trial. That's right. For they're aiding and abetting, him, right? Well, they said, but, but yeah. they said she was not guilty. Nor Salman. Um, but and I believe Dahmer worked in a chocolate factory, which is really disgusting. Uh, but like the general population, documented serial killers span racial groups, range in intelligence, and are both genders a.k.a. Eileen Warnos. I haven't really researched too many women serial killers. There aren't very many. There was one, um, we talked about it uh, in an earlier podcast, that she uh, killed people, her husbands, by poisoning them. She liked to poison people, but Eileen Warnos killed her Johns because they would beat her up. and you She know, was a prostitute. Yeah, and she got sick of being a punching bag. So she would kill them, steal their money, take their car, and not have to have sex with them. In Florida? Yeah, she was put to death here in Florida. And I don't think she was very bright. So murder's methods by average IQ. People with an IQ over 140, which would be Ted Kaczynski, bombs. It's more high-tech and more difficult uh, to come up with it. Then poison is people with an IQ of 100 or more. Strangulation, which is our friend here, Mr. Little, IQ of 100, just below the poisoning. But they're saying he's really smart. Stabbing, people who stab usually have an IQ around 90. People who shoot usually have an IQ just above 85. But, you know, you've got the Omar Mateens that shoot up the Pulse nightclub with these AR-15 types, high-capacity magazines. That's been more common. I don't know what their IQs are, like Paddock, Stephen Paddock in Vegas. We still don't know why he shot all those people. No. And can that, I mean, is that serial killing he killed? I think it's mass killing. Oh, that's a mass killing, not a serial killing. That's a good Because serials over time, I believe. Yeah, oh, well, Paddock killed 59 people and he injured 851, but he still doesn't beat Little. Nope. It's interesting. Little had more time, though. He had 40 years. This guy, oh, my gosh. So he also believes in God. He believes he is God, in my opinion. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. He must, because he can take life, and he enjoyed doing it. So even though he's behind bars, justice has come way too late for this guy. Do you think he deserves the death penalty? Yes. So maybe for these Florida cases, they can get him on that. But yeah, it's really interesting how this guy went under the radar for so long, and he's still alive. He slipped through the cracks, and I just think it's very interesting how he was able to do so. I think it's because the, the FBI profile was wrong, and they changed it after they started realizing that they let the people like the Hazes and this guy slip through the cracks because they were African American. So based on gender, you've got 92% are male, 7% women. Um, in terms of ethnicity, you've got uh, black or 29%. Uh, serial killers are black, white are 56%, Asian is 4%, almost 5%, and the Native Americans in there at less than 1%, so we don't have to worry about Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> and then other is, uh, one, is almost 2%. So really interesting about how they were wrong with the African-American profiling on a serial killer. So they had to change the way they profiled 
these people because they were completely wrong. And the number one way to kill people, the top methods of, of murder, 42% use a gun, and you don't have to be too bright to do that. And then Little's way to kill people was strangle, 23% strangle. Stabbing, 15%, bludgeoning. Well, plus Little was, he was a boxer, so he probably beat him too, 9%. Poison, 6%, which I don't know if your doctor, Shipman, is poisoning them or just drugging them. I think he was just drugging them to death. Yeah, they really don't have an axe, 2%. We got an axe murderer. Uh, Lizzie Borden, she was prolific. And then drowning, 1%. So he is like, that. He remember he drowned one person. I wonder why he did that. Did he, he run out of time? Uh, I don't know. He just drowned. Maybe he held her under by the neck. He Maybe went, it was an accident. Yeah, whatever. So it's really interesting. I mean, the reality, however, is that most mass murders lead ordinary lives and that they go undetected if the profile's wrong. So they had to adjust the profile because it changed. And now when you have the mass murders, like this Nicholas Cruz, I guess he's considered a serial killer and a mass murder. Well, he's going to trial in January, so we'll definitely cover that when it comes closer. Yeah, that's because they won't take the death penalty off the table. He'll he'll admit to it. He's already confessed, but he'll admit to it if they take the death penalty off the table. Well, I'm pro-death penalty, so it's hard to say what what's going to happen. What's going to happen and what should be done. Yeah. So through the studies, a shocking new profile of the people who commit these grisly crimes has emerged, putting to rest the myths that had surrounded them. So in terms of how they murder and what color their skin is and what their sex is, that all shifted. And their IQ, because people thought they were wickedly smart, like little, but generally they weren't very, very bright at all. And you don't have to be bright to kill people, right? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't know. <laughs> so motivation behind the murders, what motivates people to kill? I think ego, um, childhood trauma, hate, anger. So, anger is very small percentage. Enjoyment is the largest, and I think Little fits into that. He enjoyed killing people. I think that ties into ego. 32% of killers in, do it for the sheer enjoyment of killing people. And I think that's Nicholas Cruz. He I, enjoyed it. He looked forward to it. He wanted to be a mass killer. Well, he posted a YouTube video saying what he was going to do and i watched the video and it's disturbing he looked like he was looking forward to it and he's very proud of it he wants to have kids named you know kalishnikov and he wants to name them after guns <laughs> colt remington it's very sick financial gain that's another one that's a people big one. kill for it's 30 percent, just two percent less than enjoyment sometimes these people that kill for financial gain also enjoy it very much <laughs> Anger, really, it's only 18% do it in a fit of rage or crime of passion. And that's 18%. Gang activity, only 10%. And then 10% kill for another reason, which is unknown. People, I just, mean, people just kill people. From the podcast we've done so far, I think childhood, ego, enjoyment. What's going to be interesting to me is how the FBI and profiling moves forward with this recent development. So I think you're right. And then Little, initially, he didn't. He said he was innocent, but then he started to enjoy the attention that comes with the confession. And he loves to talk about how good he is. Most serial killers do like to talk about how good they are at it. And he said, you know, it's not an honor, though. It is a curse. I don't think there's another person that did what I'd like to do. I'm thinking only one in the world. And that's not an honor. That is a curse. 
So we have to identify his victims. They need closure. So go to our Instagram page. Take a look at the portraits that Little has drawn of his victims. If you have any information that's linked to Little's confessions, please contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI or submit a tip online at tips.fbi.gov. And visit our Instagram page. Follow us at Full Rigor Podcast. And next week, we'll talk about the alleged face biter, Austin Harif. This podcast will be more about mental illness because this kid was showing signs of being mentally ill. He was barking like a dog. His sister said he thought he was a dog. I'm actually going to go see the Joker movie, which apparently ties into mental illness. So once I see it, I'm definitely going to compare the two. I think there is a strong comparison there, not taking medication or not being medicated, because now that he's medicated, he is extremely remorseful. He's, he's mortified at what he did. Once they're medicated, it's like a different person. So that'll be interesting. So that'll be next week. Don't miss it. But I hope you enjoyed this full rigor about Samuel Little, the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history. Thank you, Lexi. Thanks for having me. Until next week. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.